Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we have one guest with us today. It's one of our favorite shows of the year. Because in her case, one is plenty. We have Helen May, retired from May's Greenhouse, and we're going to talk about gardening. It's our annual fall gardening show. Welcome, Helen. Thank you. Woohoo! It's gardening day. Yeah, gardening day. <laughs> Welcome back, Bob. Thank We've you. missed you so much, and it's great to have you back. And thank you looking very much. In the pink. Yeah. Well, I've had some have a few had a few medical issues I was dealing with, but I'm back and raring to go. Well, I think I missed thrilled. our eighth anniversary of this show while I was gone. And, and you forgot I'm, to send me flowers, I'm the, too. I'm the romantic. And, and <laughs> I forgot, but uh, happy anniversary. Maybe Helen can recommend this, something lovely. Yes, this <laughs> might be Helen's fourth anniversary. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think that's right. All right. Well, uh, if you have questions or comments, as always, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or send your email to noon at indiana.edu and – I should remind our listeners with the gardening show. He who hesitates man, is lost. He who hesitates is lost. That's absolutely true. And I'm going to take the uh, privilege of the the microphone for the first question because my wife had a couple questions. <laughs> and you've learned the hard way. Get in early. <laughs> That's right. Um, Helen, we, we have a lot of shade. So hostas and ground cover are things in our front yard. Mm-hmm. and. Um, is this a good time of year, or should we wait to spring, till spring to divide hostas or plant ground cover? It's still early enough that you can divide the hostas. Mm-hmm. You'll get them well established before spring. Uh, the roots will keep growing for weeks and weeks yet, even after we have frost and shallow freezes. Mm-hmm. Um, the ground cover, you're kind of on the cusp, but mm-hmm. if you can get it done in a week or so, okay. go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She'll be happy to hear that. Is she feeling ambitious? She's feeling much more ambitious than I am. But <laughs> <laughs> well, she usually does. If you plant ground cover uh, late enough that it doesn't get rooted in, uh-huh. it'll sometimes heave out oh, okay. over winter. Okay. So it's better to get it in, you know, as early okay. as you can. We have a few weeks for the hostas, you think? Yes. Okay. Do you need to um, cut back the greenery with the hostas if you're transplanting them? Or, I mean, dividing and... and Uh, This late, you can, and it makes them a lot easier to handle and easier to see where the eyes are and how to divide and so forth. I don't know about yours. Mine don't look like much right now. Some of mine look great. Really? Oh, yeah, huge. Some some varieties are very good in the fall, and some, the foliage begins to go away quite early. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, particularly if they're a little dry or something. Yeah. yeah. All right. What other? What did Susan? That's it. That's Those all two. for Susan. That's okay. all. Okay. You're well, on. You're, you can go home now. You've had your question. <laughs> I'm directing traffic now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already had an email come in, and I'm thrilled about this because I had the same question. Uh, it begins. I purchased an endless summer last fall, and that we should say is a kind of hydrangea that is advertised to bloom all summer long, a la the name endless summer. Uh, purchased the endless summer last fall and planted it. There were already many blue blooms around the entire plant. That fall, I mulched around the bottom. In the spring, I cleared the mulch and sprinkled aluminum sulfate around the plant. The plant itself grew healthy, but the lovely blooms were missing except for a few nice blue blooms on the bottom of the plant. Question number one, is there anything I should do this fall to the plant to assure a greater amount of blooms next spring and summer? Uh, let's go ahead with that because the southern one digresses just a little bit. All right. Endless summer is supposed to bloom on both old, that is, wood that grew the previous year, mm-hmm. and new, wood that grew the current year, uh, wood. But it sounds like it didn't happen for her or, <laughs> or for you. <laughs> or for me. <laughs> Uh, it's a fairly new variety, which I have not had much experience mm-hmm. with yet. Uh, I know that uh, if you, it sounds like you got bloom on wood that survived the winter. And I got bloom on new. Isn't that funny? And you got, well, that is funny, and I don't know what the difference is. Uh, one thing that keeps plants of any kind from blooming can be 
too much shade, mm -hmm. though hydrangeas will take a lot of shade. Mm -hmm. It can be too much nitrogen. Mm. If you're fertilizing with a lot of nitrogen, you get growth at the expense of flower very often. How about cats pooping around them? Does it? <laughs> well, they should have had enough fertilizer. <laughs> it's uh, it's not good for a couple of reasons. More to do with possible disease for the gardener than, than for, for the plant. Um, all I know to do is tell you to take another another season. If you've been fertilizing heavily. Uh, Cut back on the amount of nitrogen you're giving. Um, you may want to give it a little protection this winter to see that more old wood comes through. Mm -hmm. um, the whole idea with with this particular species is or variety is that um, a lot of the old ones, if you didn't bundle them up wrap them up, stuff them with straw, they'd freeze out and you'd get no bloom. Mm -hmm. You really had to baby them. And this one is not supposed to be that way. Now, why you didn't get bloom and someone else did on new growth, I'm not at all sure. Be sure that it has plenty of moisture. Uh, you can give it some fertilizer, but something lowish in nitrogen. Mm -hmm. Um, and try another year with it. So and I and the say. aluminum sulfate, that's really just the for aluminum, bloom color? Yes. That, the real effect that has is to make it blue instead of pink. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well, let's go on to the second question that the same writer has. Um, it begins, I planted a limelight hydrangea early this summer. It was lovely all summer. What care or pruning, et cetera, should I do this fall or spring on the limelight? Well, um, limelight, um, I'm not absolutely certain whether that's a uh, paniculata grandiflora or one of the mop heads. Um, I'd have to look to see. Okay. Well, if it's one of the mop heads, you do it just like you would, say, a Nyko Blue or anything like that. If it's a Grandiflora, all you've got to do is trim it back next spring mm -hmm. to shape it. And uh, so, how, how would you do a, a mop head? What's the well? Standard? It's like what I said. You would yeah. you would mulch it. You okay. would. Wrap it, okay. <clears throat> protect it. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But if it's a, a uh, that's a, a green looking flower head, mm -hmm. as you can tell, they're beautiful. From the name. Yeah, and I can't remember if it's a mop head or one of the hardier ones. Now, if it's one of the hardier ones. All, all you got to do is just trim it in the spring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have one, and that's what mm -hmm. I do. Yeah, and it goes like mm -hmm. crazy, so yes. like gangbusters, and yes. and like hers, mine also mm -hmm. bloomed. So right. maybe that is the, the so, case. So yeah, just uh, if it's uh, reasonably attractive with its dried flowers, and you want to leave it this winter, then you just trim back in the spring to shape it, and you might want to thin out some of the very weak shoots so that you don't have things laying on the ground. Right. You know. Helen May is our guest. We're talking about fall gardening, and we still have some emails that Mary Catherine's going to get to, but here are the phone numbers, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area, and noon at indiana.edu is our email. Okay, here's another great email that came in. Help! The pruning gene skipped a generation. My father was a pro and could prune and could prune everything from ornamental shrubs to fruit trees. I, however, always seem to prune at the wrong time of the year and thus have poor flower displays in the spring or lanky growth in plants late summer. Can flowering trees and shrubs still be pruned this fall? Please advise. It depends on what they are. The, there's where your problem is. You have to know the growth characteristics of what you're pruning. A plant like forsythia that blooms very early in the spring has its flower buds on it now, and if you cut them off, you will reduce the amount of bloom you get in the spring. Uh, 
whereas something that blooms later in the summer, uh, like a, uh, uh, well, some of the, um, Some of the plants we were just talking about, <laughs> uh, snowball bushes and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, hydrangeas, that kind of thing. Uh, the ones that bloom late in the summer uh, need to be pruned next spring. Rosa Sharon is in, an example of something that you prune in the spring mm-hmm. uh, because it blooms on new growth that grows the summer it blooms. Uh, a plant that, that blooms on old wood, like lilacs, mm-hmm should be pruned immediately after it blooms, and that will give it time to develop buds for next spring. Yeah, that was what I wanted to ask you. Is is there kind of a general rule of thumb that we can use, which is to prune directly after the bloom has faded? Uh, That would be fine for almost all things. I I would wait for something like Rose of Sharon until spring or March, you know, Mm -hmm, along in mm -hmm, there. mm -hmm. Uh, The, uh, if you prune those too early, you may get some new growth initiated in the fall, which would not survive the winter probably. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. We have our first call of the day. It's Don. Don, go ahead. Oh, hello. Hello. Hey, um, I uh, tearing my garden up, you know, and getting rid of all the dead stuff. And uh, I was curious what all I can plant, like turnips and uh, and uh, types of greens and and uh, whatever to uh, you know for winter crop. Well, you're you're getting pretty late for turnips. <laughs> you know, if you if you want them for greens, it's artichokes or whatever. It's possible. Well, no, no artichokes. <laughs> you could sow spinach for next spring's crop uh-huh. uh, and get it up right now. It's getting a little Chinese cabbage is uh, a uh, good fall crop, but you're, again, getting so late, I don't think you've got time for that. Um, I know I have collard greens that grows all winter, and uh, cabbage yeah. actually stays pretty late. Normally, though, you would plant that along in early August or mid-August, depending on how long uh, a maturity rate that particular cabbage has. Yeah. Thing is, you're getting late enough that I don't. I'm not sure you would have time to reach a sufficient stage of maturity before really cold weather sets in. However, if you have some of those floating row covers or something. Uh, you probably could go ahead and sow most kinds of things that you grow for the green tops. Uh, you could uh, do lettuce and maybe some uh, turnips. How about herbs? Uh, and, uh, well, there aren't too many herbs that you could grow this late and get much, mm-hmm. you know. What if you of, used a cold frame? If you've got, again, some kind of a cover, uh, a cold frame, you could sow lettuce, radishes, uh, might even try some cabbage now, though you might have to to harvest it uh, kind of small, yeah. you know. You could have but, petite cabbage. Uh, actually, a good time to get your fall garden started is back in August. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or at least early September. Just when it's so hot, you don't even want to think about being out in the garden, sir. Uh, early September is not too late. My my father's dictum from his father was in sowing turnips, 25th of July, wet or dry. <laughs> oh, boy. Though people do sow them later, particularly if they just want the greens. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Yeah, greens would work. Yeah. I have collard greens, but that's about it. Yeah, collards will withstand a lot of cold, as will Brussels sprouts. But you need to get them up uh, a little, fairly close to to harvestable size before it gets extremely cold. I don't know what sowing now would would do for you. Uh, good, good luck, Don. Sounds like you got your work cut out for you. <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks a lot. Good All fun. right. Thanks. All right, we have another call. It's Jean. Jean? Yes, hello. Um, I'm wondering about bringing my geraniums in for the winter, if I should cut them back quite a bit or just let them be. 
Well, it depends somewhat on uh, your storage space. Uh, they certainly will make a more attractive plants through the winter if they are trimmed back some right now. And how far do I trim them back? Well, uh, normally you don't want to trim back beyond where there is some foliage. Uh-huh. You may find that there is a lot of uh, some young growth right at the base, in which case you could cut back pretty severely. Uh-huh. Uh, if you have long, naked stems on them, just cut them back uh, about a third or so and uh, keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> you could also root cuttings off the ends if you would like to do that and start some young plants. Oh, is it just with root powder? And yes, and all dirt? you need is a, a cutting, uh, oh, four to six inches long, and you strip the leaves off the bottom half. Uh-huh. Uh, you check it for bugs and everything, of course, before you bring it in the mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you fix you up a nice pot of good quality potting soil. Uh, get some rooting hormone. Uh, dip the end of the cutting in the rooting hormone and tap off any excess. Make a hole with a pencil. Drop your cutting in to uh, just below or just above, rather. Anyway, so it's not in the ground. Mm-hmm. The first set of leaves you've left on, and firm the soil around it. Okay. You don't want the leaves in the ground. Water it moderately, and keep it moist but not extremely wet, uh-huh. and in a fairly bright place. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh huh. Right. Good luck. All right, Jean. We've got another call, but let's slide in one email before we. Okay, it says, I've wild strawberries all over the yard. Does this mean that I can grow edible strawberries? What can I do to get producing strawberries? Yes, this is not a bad climate for growing strawberries. Uh, If you've got a tiller or a good back, uh, (laughs) prepare a bed for strawberries this fall. Uh, it will help to eradicate any perennial weeds or grasses mm-hmm. because that would be a problem in a strawberry bed. You buy the strawberries in uh, late March if the weather is good or maybe early April sometime. Uh, space them. Um, it depends a little on the variety and how good your soil is, but anywhere from 12 to 14 inches apart. Uh, the rows as far apart as... Uh, your method of cultivation will allow. Uh, Some people like a bed that they can just pick from both sides and have no rows at all. Uh, If you have rows, you need to remember that the strawberries will spread and make a wide, what's called a matted row. And so you have to leave some room to walk between the rows after the plants have spread. Um... The way the plants spread is they send out little runners over the surface of the the ground, and those will root into the soil uh, here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, In the wintertime, a little later than this, you want to put a light covering of straw over your plants, which is why they're called strawberries. This protects them from winter burn because they are evergreen. Um, I never knew that. Yeah, they're very <laughs> they're very easy to grow. The main problem is uh, keeping them weeded, because the competition from weeds will uh, really cut into production. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can grow those wild strawberries too in beds, but uh, they produce only briefly and. They have very small fruit, which does not keep after it's picked. It has to be used very quickly. Um, Strawberries are quite capable of spreading, as you realize from your wild ones, all over your ground. Mm -hmm. So you want to go along the edges of the rows and uh, cut off the excess every so often. Mm -hmm. You can get leaflets. Uh, The greenhouse has all kinds of leaflets, both on planting a new crop and on taking care of old beds that need rejuvenating. But if you've got a sunny spot and reasonably good soil, you can grow great strawberries. Okay. Let's go to the phone now. Chris, go ahead. Hello, Ms. May. My question is about mulching for winter. 
often the advice is to wait till the ground is frozen, but a lot of times our soil will freeze and thaw and so on. What is a good guideline, especially for things like tea roses, for when to mulch? All right. Roses never go truly dormant. They go into a period of quiet, but they're never dormant, say like an oak tree or something. Uh, When the nights have been down around 28 or so for several nights, uh, in other words, it's getting reliably cold enough to frost or lightly freeze almost every night, that's the time to apply your winter protection. Um, There are a couple ways of doing it. You can pile soil or fine bark uh, around the rows in a cone that comes up 12, 14 inches. You can tie the roses together if they're terribly spread out uh, first so that you can work around them a little more easily. Do not prune them in the fall uh, because a rose, when it freezes back, the damage begins at the tip and Mm -hmm. works down. And the more rows you leave, uh, the more there is apt to be left there in the spring that's viable. Uh, You can also put so-called rose cones around your roses. In that case, you need to tie them together, clean off as much vegetation as you can because they don't always drop all their leaves. Uh, The styrofoam cones, you must Uh, cut the rows back enough that they will fit over. Then you need to make some ventilation holes in the bottom of the cones. Pile some soil on the lips of the cones to hold them in place because they're lightweight. Uh, Leave those holes open so the rows get some ventilation. Unless we get somebody, you know, somebody's going to say 20 below tonight, then you might want to go out and cover those holes up. But if you leave them totally closed, you'll get a lot of mold and so forth in there. Um, But I would say I generally wait, unless it's freakish weather, to around Thanksgiving or somewhere. That'll make a nice Thanksgiving project, and I appreciate the clarification. All right. You're welcome. Thanks a lot for the call, Chris. Sounds like about the time you put your winter clothes away or put your summer clothes away and get out all your winter stuff. We're good, you can about the time the guys are wanting to watch that football, game. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I help you do the road. All right, let, let me uh, let me offer our phone numbers again. Again, <clears throat> Helen May is here, and we're answering, she's answering all of your fall gardening questions. The uh, numbers 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside of the local calling area. And the email address is noon at indiana.edu. We're going to take a break now and then come back for our wild and woolly finish. So (laughs) you're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, Using a variety of systems with no major renovations, Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. WFIU invites you to our annual listener reception. You can mingle with fellow listeners and meet the cast and crew of WFIU, perhaps en route to your evening's activities or as your destination. Light refreshments provided by Terry's Banquets and Catering at Oliver Winery. Music from an ensemble from the Musical Arts Youth Orchestra. WFIU's listener reception takes place on Friday, October 13th, from 7 to 9 in the atrium of the IU Art Museum. More about this and many other events on our website at wfiu.indiana.edu. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times. 
along with co-host and gardening enthusiast Mary <laughs> Catherine Carmichael. It's our fall gardening show with Helen May. We're delighted to have Helen here with us. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811, 877-285-9348. And the email is noon at indiana.edu. I will give you the sort of scorecard. We have one caller I'm going to go to right in a second. We don't have any emails now. Uh, this show gets really busy toward the end. Mary Catherine can fill it up with questions, but Uh-oh. we'd love to have your questions. Okay. So please uh, feel free to, to jump on board. Uh, now we're going to go to Patricia. Patricia? Hi there. Hello. Uh, we just bought a home, uh, and there are many, many, many shrubs, several of which I can identify as lilac bushes that were not trimmed at all. Am I safe to do any trimming now? of those lilac bushes? Well, certainly you can remove anything that is dead or so ancient that it, you know, it looks looks old and non-productive. Uh, it's really scruffy, scaly bark or bark with uh, borer holes in it, seriously, and so forth. Those you take out clear to the ground, but... You may lose some bloom doing that way. Now, if there's anything dead, take it out. Okay. But if it's doubtful, you might want to wait until after it blooms. And then you can prune as severely or as lightly as you want. But you should do your pruning in June, preferably before the very last of June. Okay. And uh, when you do do it, you may need to thin out if it's got a lot of suckers and so forth. Okay. Yeah, the, the bushes are huge. <laughs> yeah. Well, your backyard's going to smell good this spring, though. I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. I hope they bloom beautifully for you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Patricia. Uh, All right, 855-0811, and noon at indiana.edu. Helen, I'm always curious. Um, you see compost for sale in plastic bags, but I'm always a little skeptical about that. Is there any way to guarantee that you're getting a nice quality of compost when you buy it? Well, of course, if it's a brand you're unfamiliar with, uh, really, um, you have to trust what says on the bag, which... Uh, By the nature of compost. (laughs) (laughs) Until you actually try it out. If it says composted steer manure, it probably has more nutrients in it than composted cow manure. Because those steers are fed till they waddle and a lot of the nutrients pass right on through. Uh, because it it comes from feeder pens and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, composted uh, leaf mold, I, I don't think you very often find it as leaf mold. It's usually some kind of uh, manure and bedding which has been composted together mm-hmm. uh, because it's available in such quantities that it can make for uh, Really, all you can do is buy one bag check the texture and the odor, it should not smell manure at all. Mm-hmm. It should not be gluey and sticky. It should be nice and crumbly. Um, but uh, I don't think there's any law about, like there is with fertilizer, which will tell you what the nutrients mm-hmm. are and right. so forth. Because they aren't obligated to compost, let us know. Compost yeah. is made from a variety of materials, and um, uh, your best bet is to buy a bag and see if you like how that, it looks you and more. feels. Mm-hmm. Because if it's nice and rich and crumbly and uh, not too wet or sticky. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to do you a lot of good. I know you've yeah. got a caller, but I've got one quick follow-up to that. Um, is it? Can you put some compost on in the fall so those nutrients have a chance to kind of leach through and give your plants a spring boost? Well, certainly if you're transplanting or anything, by all means. Uh, as far as top dressing goes, mm-hmm. um, you could do it. I don't know that it's any would be any better than a 
a regular mulch that is a type that breaks down mm -hmm. quickly, like uh, hardwood or something of that nature. Um, you would get some nutrients it leached into the soil, certainly. Mm -hmm. And a lot of roots are active uh, until really hard freeze-up. Mm -hmm. So uh, certainly uh, I don't think you'd... you'd wouldn't hurt anything. It wouldn't hurt anything, <laughs> right? It wouldn't be an unwise thing to okay. do. All right, great. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, our next call is from Jane. Jane? Hi. Hey. Um, my question is about tulip bulbs. I ordered some bulbs, um, you know, late summer, and they, are, they were back ordered and arrived a few weeks ago. In the interim, I, um, I called up my tree uh, expert to come out and trim. I, I, plant, I wanted to plant the, the bulbs underneath this tree, and it needed some trimming. So I called the tree surgeon to come and do the trimming, and he said, oh, wait a minute, this tree is beyond trimming. It may be dying. We need to um, fertilize it heavily this fall, hope that it, uh, you know, water it well, hope that it survives, and then uh, decide what to do in the spring. In the meantime, I got these bulbs, and mm -hmm. I didn't know what to do. So I went ahead and I planted them underneath this tree. I've got my fingers crossed. Please cross with me. <laughs> <laughs> this tree will be okay, but if it's not and it has to be dug up, I, I'm going to need to dig up my bulbs I, you know, to save them. How do I go about doing that? Without, do I have to just, I mean... I hate getting there with a the shovel. I don't. I'm not sure exactly where I planted them. Um, can I leave them there and, and I, somehow or other? I would leave them there until spring. Yeah. Chances are he's not going to know how the tree is doing until it has leafed out and grown a while okay. in the spring. So nine chances out of ten, your tulips are going to bloom there, and and uh, do just fine. If you do need to dig them later, uh, you simply go in with a, a good spade or shovel and remember how deep you've planted them, which should be six or eight inches. Mm -hmm. uh, dig down beside the existing stems. Or if, if it's so late in the summer that blooming is past and the stems are gone, you could mark them some way in the spring, stick a little stick in the ground or something where each bulb is. Anytime the foliage is pretty well faded, you can dig those up and store them over the summer and replant them again in the fall. And if he never recommends cutting the tree down, you just leave them in the ground, of course. Right. So if, if the tree does have to be dug up and I do have to take them out in the spring, how do I store them? You store them in some kind of an open container that is well ventilated, say a grocery sack, a paper grocery sack, or perhaps a basket. And you should store them someplace that is going to be well ventilated and reasonably cool. You don't want to put them in, a, a say, a garage that's going to be closed and heat up tremendously all summer long okay. because that will kill the embryo inside the bulb. But you could put them in a closet or a storeroom or did, just so you don't forget you have them. Do you right. shake all the dirt off of them? Yeah, when you dig them up, let them dry a few days, and most of the soil will peel right off. Mm -hmm. Leave the brown skin on the tulip if you can. It's called a tunic. Uh, if you dig them up early, you will want to cut off that long stem. Uh, and just store them in open air where they can be ventilated and not too hot. And then you can just simply replant in the autumn. So probably in the house and not out in the garden, I mean in the garage. That might be better if if your garage is uh, closed in the summer and yeah. heats up. Uh, that would not be a good place to store bulbs over the summer. If okay. you have a basement that's not... Uh, he uh, did. That's ideal. Yeah, if you have a basement, that's well. Uh, my basement is small, and it's where the heater is. So okay. Well, if you've got just a place in the laundry room or the closet okay. or a cabinet okay. that you can, and I don't have to wash them off or anything. I just uh -uh. shake off the dirt. No, just take the excess dirt off and okay. leave them in some. Don't put them in plastic or anything with a lid. 
just uh, just in a little basket or a sack or something. Okay. Thank you so much. You're All welcome. right. Thanks a lot for the call, Jane. And Virginia's next. Virginia? Hello. Hello, Virginia. Hello. Um, I would like to go back and ask a, a couple more questions about hydrangeas. I have three that are not blooming, and um, I I think it could be that the deer are uh, eating the buds. I don't know if they are a plant that deers are likely to um, attack. Uh, and also, um, I wondered about wrapping them, uh, what material you suggest using or how to do that. Uh, do you know what kind of hydrangeas they I are? I don't know. I had, I bought them over the years and didn't keep a record. Well, if they're oak leaf hydrangeas, deer are very fond of those, and they will bite off the tips where the budwood is. Uh, yes. Um, and, of course, if they are like the old-fashioned snowball or the Annabelle, again, uh, if deer eat them, they will take off the budwood. Mm. Uh, the same if they're uh, mop heads, like Nyko Blue or or any of those that are the big balls of pink or blue flowers. Mm. Yeah. Uh, if those tips come off on most of those, they will not bloom. Right. Well, now, I was afraid of that. <laughs> as for wrapping them up, you wait fairly late. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the really hardy ones, like the Annabelle and the... Um, oak leaf, you can just buy some bird net, like you'd buy to put over fruit, and wrap oh. them in that. Oh, okay. Because they don't need protection from the cold. Oh. Uh, but if they are the big fancy ones, the hortensias, that, that uh, the blues and pinks, mm-hmm. there you need to keep them from freezing. What I do at home is I drive four fairly tallish stakes around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tie the uh, branches up in a bundle. Mm-hmm. I put burlap around the stakes, and I fill the space with straw, Oh, being sure to come high enough to cover the tops, and then I usually put something over the top so the straw won't blow away. It can be bird netting or another piece of burlap or whatever. Oh, well, thank you. That's a great help. Uh, since I'm not sure of the variety, does it do any harm to put the burlap around any type of hydrangea? Uh, I don't think it would hurt, no. Okay. Uh, if you are unsure, um, you might take a sprig, uh, particularly if you have a flower on it, to your local nurseryman, and he probably can tell you what it is. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. All You're right, welcome. Virginia. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, the phones are quiet now. The phone numbers are 855-0811-877-285-9348 and noon at indiana.edu and the emails are stacking up. That's right. We better get to some of these. Um, this one says, please enlighten me on oak leaf hydrangea pruning, the do's and don'ts. Uh, oak leaf hydrangea you should prune after it blooms. And the only pruning you want to do is to shape the plant if it's getting growing cockeyed. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, I find that the deer prune mine very nicely <laughs> when I don't, <laughs> don't wrap them up. But I miss, I miss, uh, I miss the flowers uh, if they prune in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say um, that you could, uh, if your if your shrub is getting big, and you're concerned about uh, uh, shape and so forth, mm-hmm. you might want to check through. And if there's a lot of weak little twiggy stuff in the middle, you might want to remove some of that. Uh, and you want to to shorten the branches back so that they are a pleasing mm-hmm. a, a pleasing appearance and um, 
I generally try to prune mine right after they bloom. I don't know if that's the ideal time, but that's when I have time. (laughs) (laughs) They'll get really big. I'm always surprised at how big those will get. Some of them get tremendous. If you need a small one, there's one called Nana or Nana, which uh, is smallish. Okay. One more before I take this call. Okay. Uh, Let's see. We planted peppers this summer, got very tall pepper plants, but got no peppers. Was it the (laughs) summer heat? It probably was either too much shade or too much nitrogen. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they have a lot of nitrogen, very often they just grow and grow and grow and never get around to setting. And tomatoes sometimes will do that mm-hmm. if you're just overfeeding and overfeeding. Yeah. Okay. Okay, not the heat. All right, uh, Berta is on the phone. Berta? Hello. I have a question about in some a new invasive <laughs> weed I have that I didn't have before, and it's... I think the, the the local name or common name is peanut vine. It's a little bit like a morning glory, and it has these sort of three solid little leaves, and it's horrible. It's really aggressive, and I wondered if there... I hadn't had it before, and it started in one spot, and all of a sudden now I see I've got it all... Not everywhere, but it's getting there. It will be next year if I can't do something about it. Do you have any advice, or do you know it? Does it bloom? It blooms a little bit like a morning glory fairly late, and it does become a vine. But it's not the typical bindweed that we know is the wild morning glory, which is also a horrible weed. And I'm, what you know, color is the bloom? Uh, it can bloom sort of a, uh, either a bluish or burgundy. Hmm. More of a burgundy, I think. And the flowers, are are they shaped like a traditional yeah, morning it glory? Looks, it looks a little small, you know. Yeah, kind of this. Okay. All right. There you uh, go, Helen. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> I, I must, did 20 questions. I must, I must admit to you that I am not particularly familiar well, you're from lucky. your description. <laughs> uh, your best bet would be to take a, a good-sized sample. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to one of your local nurseries mm-hmm. or more than one if they don't recognize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, down at Mays, we do have a, a big book called A Problem Solver. Oh, okay. Which has a, uh, a section with pictures <coughs> of weeds. Uh-huh. Uh, and it might be possible to find it listed there. All right. As a final thing, if you just plain don't get any help anywhere, you might take a sample to the county agent's office. Yes, yes. All right. That's a good idea, yes. too. And there's the Purdue Extension um, uh, website, too, that you can find Oh, yes. I, I'm com- pretty illiterate computer-wise, but uh, yes, there is a website that you can get on. Yeah, if you oh, get good. on the Purdue University uh, website, you can find links um, that will take you where you need to go. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Good thank luck. you. All right. Very helpful, you guys. (laughs) Brian is next. Brian? Hi. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Actually, my name is Ryan. Oh, Ryan. Ryan. Sorry. (laughs) That's quite all right. I've got two questions for you. Uh Uh, My first question is, I was reading a book, and it was talking about uh, almond trees. And it said almond trees can grow wherever uh, peach trees grow. Well, I know we can sort of grow peaches here in Indiana. I haven't had any luck with it myself. But I was wondering if you knew anything about uh, about growing almonds. I really don't. I have grown um, the only thing that I have any uh, experience with in the almond flower, uh, family is flowering almond, which is okay. a totally different creature. Mm-hmm. Um, You're after the nuts, right? Yeah. I yeah. believe that they probably, if they're grown like peaches... You probably could count on uh, what is the rule? Uh, two years out of five, actually getting a crop. <laughs> uh, the main problem being a frost during the bloom period. Okay. Um, I I am I have no personal experience with them. Okay. Uh, I've always thought they were fascinating and quite beautiful in bloom. You've recommended uh, calling tree people in town before. Would somebody like that know? It's possible. Uh Um, There is uh, 
a group. I don't know if they're still in in action that you could get a number at the public library called the Northern Nut Growers Association. Okay. Which might have some information for you. Interesting. Uh, uh, certainly, you could contact um, some of the local tree men who specialize, arborists. Mm-hmm. And um, your best bet might be to, uh, it's obviously you've already been to the library. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you but could, it is not a commercial crop in Indiana anywhere that I know of, so it sure. probably would be a, a, a rather an iffy proposition. The Purdue okay. folks might be. Well, have you been online? Have you, have you gone to the Purdue website yet? I have not. Give that a shot, too, because you can submit questions there, and um, they seem to know about everything you can put in front of them. Okay, that's a great idea. Oh. All right, Ryan, um, thanks. Uh, uh, can, can I ask yeah, one more question? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Okay. Um, and I was wondering, uh, I got a, a catalog in, in the mail, um, and it's the company uh, Burgess. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you had any, uh, you know, advice on ordering from them. I know, you know, they're kind of a, a cheaper uh you know, they have a lot of uh, great prices, but great prices always make me, you know, double, double want to double-check on, on the company itself. Well, it's you know, a- just to see, you know, if, if they have quality products, you know, when they come in, are, are my bulbs going to be rotten or, or not, you know? It's an, it's an old established company, reasonably good reputation. Some of the stock may be a little small. Uh, if you want truly unusual items, you might have trouble finding them there. I would hardly recommend that before you order bulbs out of town anywhere, mm-hmm. unless it is something rare and unusual that you simply can't find, that you check your local places first because there you can actually see the bulbs, see their sizes. Um, there will be pictures of the blooms, uh, instruction on planting depths, and most places, occasionally they slip up, but sure. most places will not carry anything that is not hardy in this area. I understand. Um, so I, you might want to check those places out first before you place an order. Um... There's a, a place called, if you look through garden magazines, uh, there's a place called White Flower Farm. They're a little pricey, but they have very good stock uh, that you could get a catalog. Uh, in fact, there are, uh, there's a place called Mitch's, M-I-T-C-H, I believe it is, okay. uh, that specializes in bulbs that you might uh, want to order a catalog from. Oh, well, thank you very much. All yeah. right, Good Ryan. Good luck, Ryan. Uh, thanks for a call. All right, we've got two calls, but we Let's, have a this quick, is, quick Yeah, this is one email. to make the organic gardener's head spin. Um, I have a flowering crab apple tree at the end of my driveway, and this year it's dropping apples abundance in abundance all over the drive. Sidewalk and street. Sweeping them up is difficult, and nothing seems to eat them. Is there some spray or chemical I could use next year to reduce or prevent the fruiting? Uh... Yes. It's called, or one name for it, is Florel. Uh, It can be purchased. Most companies won't be carrying it. They probably might be able to get you some. And what it does, it prevents the fruit from actually setting on. Well, he'll still have the flowers. Yes. Yeah, but just no fruit will form. It will not produce any fruit. Okay. Um, Okay. You want to be careful on overspray on something like that. I would think you could make some people pretty mad. Yeah. Well, if you sprayed your neighbor's uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't apples do that. or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Ellen, we, Helen, we have about three minutes to go, so I, I'm going to try to work in two calls in the last three minutes. Let's go to Joan first. Joan? Okay. My problem, my question has to do with a Japanese maple tree that's about five years old, and I planted it about a yard and a half away from my deck. <laughs> And now part of the deck I can't sit on because the tree is taking over. So I want to prune it quite a bit. Uh, when should I prune? Actually, uh, fall pruning is better on Japanese maples than spring pruning because, like other maples, they tend to bleed 
a lot. That is, run a lot of sap after they're cut in the spring. In the fall, that's not apt to be too much of a problem. Uh, I would recommend that you uh, probably wait till the leaves are well colored uh, or starting to come down and uh, prune judiciously. They grow slowly and, and are beautiful trees, mm-hmm. so uh, uh, don't get too carried away till you're sure what you want to cut. But uh, I think this fall would be a good time. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Thanks, Joan. And that leaves two minutes for Rich. Rich? Hello. Hi, Rich. Uh, I have a seven-year-old tulip poplar uh, that's doing nicely. It's about 25 feet tall and very wide. And last year, um, uh, it, it had some sort of disease on it. I think it was powdery mildew. But a lot of the inner buds and the, the small uh, limbs on the inside of the tree uh, died off. There were no inner buds. This year, I have a different kind of disease, and it, it takes the form of the, the veins seem to be turning black uh, on the surface. And, again, the tree is starting to lose its inner leaves, and you know the inner leaves are turning yellow and dying off. And I'm wondering if the disease is cause, causing the tree to, I don't know, stunt the growth of the tree well short, it would depend here, it would depend on how large an amount of the tree is affected if it's just a little here and there probably just some kind of mold or mildew that's set in for the summer if it's uh over a large area you probably should cut a branch and take it to a tree man so that he can identify Again, you might look at the big book at Maze and see the problem solver and see if you can recognize the problem. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, You may need to apply some kind of a spray to the tree, uh, either a dormant spray or in the spring when growth starts. But you need to identify the problem first, and I don't know what it is. Okay, thank you. All right, Rich. Thanks a lot for the call. We are out of time. Helen, as always, thanks for being here. We'll see you in the spring. You're very welcome, and I was glad to be here. All Thank right. You. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Will Murphy, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times.